This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Knife Talk Podcast. We're here to answer your questions, keep you company on your commute or in the shop while you're hand sanding blades. We're here to give each other a hard time, work through dilemmas, and talk about a life and make some jokes too at the same time. Uh, I am Marco Malmasi of Malmasi Fire Arts. As always, I am here with Jeff Fader of Fader Knives and welcoming back the captain of the ship, Mr. Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Uh, we usually like to kick off with a kind of a recap of the past week. Jeff, you want to get us started? I want to hear what Craig has to say. We haven't okay. heard Craig's beautiful <laughs> voice in a long time. He sounds like he's in the bottom of a submarine. What's going on, Craig? <laughs> Yeah, well, I had to make a quick dash from France probably three, four weeks ago now. Um, so I'm only using AirPods, so apologies if the audio isn't up to the usual quality. Um, it's been it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been three or four weeks. Um, I've been up to all sorts, all sorts. We've, we've had some sort of family problems here, so I've had to come back to the UK, um, which then turned into another family problem. Um, but I was due back anyway last week because we were in the studio to record to record an album. Um, so I have done that. I've been you know, back and forth the studio to do my bits, then leaving it with the rest of the band and that kind of thing. So it's just been a hectic and um, really tiring three or four weeks. Really, really tiring. But I did have the pleasure of listening to Knife Talk last week as, as a punter, as a listener. And man, it was funny. It was very good. You, you guys did a really good job. <laughs> Well, I think the I think the listeners helped us out with that one. Oh, yes, boy. yeah, yeah. I, I shit my pants a few times listening to it. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, it's going to be yeah. more pants shitting this episode, so maybe you could good use stuff. a couple jokes. So we'll uh, we'll make sure that we uh, keep it light. Good stuff. Good stuff. So anyway, what have you what have you guys been up to? Uh, it's been crazy. I mean, it's been this. The weirdest part is, is like three years ago, I made the commitment that I at one by the time the holidays come around, I I want to have a hundred knives ready to sell. And this year we do, and it's probably going to be oh, over a wow. hundred hundred knives. So it's something that we've been planning on for a long time. I had made a commitment, and um, we're now past a hundred knives ready to, for the holidays. So we're able to. I had uh, an order list I, like a month ago. It says we got one pairing knife that's going to ship out, and then the order list is completely done. So now we're making stuff for for the website, making stuff to sell direct. Uh, we have a couple of – I might be talking to a f- friend of mine who's a baker in the area. We might be doing a, something special for him, and that's fun. And, you know, I'm getting ready. I finally figured out what I'm going to do with the Damasteel Invitational. So – uh, we're doing that, and then uh, did you find did you find your piece, or did you got a replacement? Um, how should I say this? One of our <laughs> one of our listeners was kind enough, a good good friend of mine, Tristan. He just put it in the mail and sent it to me. He got a couple of them, so he sent me to him. So I I was gonna pretend like I found it, and I'm sure I will find it. But uh, <laughs> I got a replacement sent to me by my boy, my boy Tristan. So nice, you know. And uh, well, everything's good. So. Th- these holiday knives, anything special? Because you did the, the turkey. What well, you got the turkey club before? We're doing the turkey club again. The turkey club is basically a three-piece set from the Neptune Sunrise selection. It's a fork, a paring knife, and a chef knife. We're do, we got lots hmm. of that. We have, 
I have these new little, I have a pile of these skeletonized EDCs that I'm really, really liking. And um, uh, we got a lot of that. We have a lot of everything. So we're smattering of everything, whatever you want. So we're now, I'm actually going to be making some long uh, bread knives, offset serrated from next week. And then um, actually kind of right now, I'm really planning on next year, which is the best part of being able to be ahead is I, I'm working out a couple things uh, so I can have some, I might have some friction folders to sell, but I want only working on a couple things based off of what we're doing now to, you know, get us uh, fired up for 2024. So, you know, nice. I'm just working hard and feeling good and, you know, getting ready. Remember the plan. Nice. Getting ready. So, Mareko, what's been happening? Uh, this past week has been um, putting some work together, just some quick little uh, Brute to Forge bench knives for my kids' school. Um, they do a, a fall fundraiser every year to help um, with their kind of, they have like a scholarship, uh, what is that, I guess kind of a scholarship program as well as um, just for like school funds because it's a private school. Uh, so it helps to just like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Not, not that fancy. Um, no uniforms or anything like that. That's what I uh, had. Oh, yeah, I know. You went to the boys' school. That's right. All the other boys. That's right. Explains a lot, yeah. Well, what does it explain? Lot. What does it explain? All the dick jokes. All the dick jokes. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is, that is 100% true. That is 100% true. Uh, and I'm trying to think what else is going on. Oh, I did take the kid razor clamming, and we got out there too late to the beach. And uh, there was no clams to be had, um, which is a bummer because it's like a two, two and a half hour drive to get out there. Oh, no. <laughs> to the oh, beach wow. we ended up. But fortunately, my my brother-in-law has and his family have a uh, like a little cabin uh, on uh, near the beach. So we were able to stay out there rather than turn around and drive all the way back because by the time we got there, it was already 730 at night. And so... I could have done the drive, but it it was not ideal to do that. So uh, it was cool, though. We got on the beach and we walked around, and the moon was full and rising just above the horizon, and it was a really beautiful sunset as we were driving out. Um, and I learned that you can crab, uh, you can harvest Dungeness crabs off the Pacific coast, um, and it, it was crazy because and like there was a sandbar further out by the surf because the the transition from the um from the beach out into the water is pretty shallow or pretty uh pretty just like flat and uh there was kind of this tide pool area that was maybe only 10 inches deep and i'm walking around in chest waders and i see the i'm looking for clams how short are you what It was only ten inches deep, and you had chest waders on. Well, I, was, I have chest <laughs> Jason chest waders on for being out, for being in the water in general. I thought you were going to say I only know it's ten inches long because I was just squatting down and seeing how long how to, when I could touch touch the sand. So, <laughs> but anyways, the cra- crabs are all hanging around in this tide pool. And I'd never seen that before. And it turns out you can you can harvest those crabs. Anyways, fuck did you me. get any? No, I didn't know. I didn't learn about that until afterwards. And so we drove all the way out, way out there. We got no no seafood, <laughs> uh, but the kid and I had a good time. We had a, we had a good time hanging out. The next day too, there was a, a local state park where there's uh, a former fort uh, that was part of like the 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 def- the West Coast defenses. I think during World War Two. 
Yeah. So we went and checked that out and just walked around a bit and then we drove back. Last year when you cool. sent Craig and I pictures of the razor clams, <laughs> we just about <laughs> when talk- you cut them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it was like labia majora, labia minora, the whole nine yards. It was like a vagina party. It was I thought what he said it was the national flag of Lesbos. That's what he said. It was ridiculous. It was terrifying, but uh, terrifying. I te- yeah. Frankly, yeah, yeah it's terrifying. But uh, it's too bad They're you didn't quite get tasty. any. Yeah, next too- time, next time I'll be ready to get. So the problem with showing up late is if other diggers have been out there before you, if they if whatever clams they don't get, they get disturbed. The sand dis- gets disturbed and they get scared, and so they dig down deep. So huh. if you get out there late, oh, they're um, gone. Yeah, they're just like they're buried way too deep and you're shit out of luck. So you want to get there like mm-hmm. an hour, maybe two hours before low the actual low tide. And we got there right at low tide. Um and people had already like <laughs> the beach was pretty well deserted. Uh, people had already gotten their limits and left, and so we we were shit out of luck. But next time next time it'll be good. And I'm bringing a bucket just in case uh we want to pick up some of those crab. Nice. That's confidence. Yeah. Confidence bucket. And you were also on the Hustle and Grind podcast. Yeah. I just recorded with Ryan and uh, and Noah the other day, and it was a great conversation. Go check out the Hustle and Grind podcast. Uh, yeah, we had a good conversation. and we, I listened. We could have kept going, I'm sure. I listened. Um, I think you did a good job. Yeah, thanks. Well, you always do a good job. I, yeah, I don't know about that. but Well, um, I mean, they tried to... Uh, we can do a... They, they're they're good dudes and they've got to keep going and, and I'm hundred percent with them. But the funny part was they said to you, they tried to get you to say that their podcast was the number one knife related podcast in the German <laughs> Fest plan. And here's the best part. This is the reason why Mareko is the best. He, he doesn't, a lot of times he won't play. He will not play along. And I think it's a psychological thing. You won't, if you know that you're going to get fucking get the hook, you don't play. So you, you you were it was hilarious because you were just like you're just trying to say you're trying to get me to say the hustling grind podcast is the best and there was this <laughs> off awkward silence it was awesome but it was and then the best part was is then afterwards I mean among other things they asked you these questions and one of the questions was is who would you like to have uh, us interview and how can you help us get them on that was that was what the greatest <laughs> that was like how can you ask both those questions at the same time it's funny mm-hmm. yeah it was a good podcast Brilliant. you were very yeah, relaxed it was very good yeah it was good yeah i'll probably i'll probably go back on another time um it was it was cool chatting with those guys and so i'd be happy to go back on again there you go yeah. you. cool cool right shall we do some questions what we got we well, week. before we go through the questions, let's take care of a little bit of business. Guys, Even Heat is the sponsor of Knife Talk. They're the manufacturer of the finest heat treat ovens available. To find your next oven, go to evenheat-kiln.com. And while we're at it, Combat Abrasives, I just got an order of Combat Abrasives. And if you go to combatabrasives.com, you put in the promo code KNIFETALK15, you're going to get 15% off. And God damn it, when you pull that 15% off, it is surprising how much it is. So check out combatabrasives.com. <laughs> It's 15%. Yeah, 15%. But I mean, it's like, you know, you buy a couple of couple things, all of a sudden, yeah, that's right. Well, it mounts up. You're right. You're right. Yes. In, yes. You, yeah. in your mind, the subconscious, when you say 15%, you think $15. And it's not mm. the same. I mean, maybe that's my brain goes, it's like, oh, big deal, $15. It's more than $15. Well, especially, yeah. I mean, at least when I'm ordering belts, I'm, I'm buying like 
four, three, four hundred, five hundred dollars worth of belts at one time. Jeez, so that adds up real quick. Yeah, there you go. All right, we have questions. We have listener feedback. Last week's episode where we had uh, where we talked about Bingo's scary shop moments, we got a whole new pile of them, and then I also want to. <laughs> we got a pile of shit panning pant shitting stories <laughs> and then i want to suggest for next week i have a new bit for us so getting into oh, the holiday cool. season so mm. let's start in with some questions america you want to start in with a question yeah let's see this first one is from jordan kepler he says hey guys wondering if you know how uh, know much about coco bolo uh, be- besides thanks to tom moss besides that you shouldn't touch your junk after sanding it um but it is but is there any way to speed up the oxidation process of the wood freshly sanded it's much lighter and you can see the grain much better but i want that dark brown black color because before i give it to uh the customer or sorry before i give it to the customer uh maybe sun or heat uv tanning bed what do you think so, so cocobolo is kind of a, a, it's a wood that's usually not stabilized because it's, it has a lot of its own natural resins and oils in it. Yeah. And so, uh, it's considered a, uh, well, it's a, I think it's a hardwood. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's like an exotic hardwood. Wood. Yeah. 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 And, yeah, um, yeah. it's used a lot in instruments. Uh, but at, over to what he's, this guy's talking about is over time in use, um, the handle, your hand oils or exposure to the moisture or other food oils will darken that wood up pretty dramatically, actually. It's kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, it, sometimes I've seen them get to almost like a jet black. But he's wondering how to speed that up. Do you Have you guys ever played with darkening wood? I don't Not really darken use... it. Sorry. Sorry, go on, Jeff. Go on. I don't use Coca Bolo. I've used it I've I've used it once and we never it was for like a cutting board. We never really used it for I never use it for a knife handle. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't really know. Mm. I've li- lim- very limited amount of experience with it. Right. Yeah. I like it. I I've, I've used it a few times. Um there's, there's obviously as we've mentioned before, there's there's the risk of maybe not being too food safe because of the oils and um you know, as as he said, don't touch your junk after sanding it, um, because it will it will expand. But that's mainly why I use it. So <laughs> that's mainly why you use it. <laughs> um, but I like it. I like I, I like the way it looks. But um, with regards to sort of making it look more aged and dark and brown, no. And I'd I'd imagine it's, it's something to do with it drying out. So maybe you know, exposure to the sun, UV, maybe that could work. Be worth trying, definitely. It's no mm. harm in trying. What yeah. do you think, Rico? I mean, I feel like there are some oils that you can use that would just natural oils that would help to darken it some, because that's what is kind of helping it to darken in the first place is exposure to additional oils. Um, I know that in woodworking, there's a way of ebonizing wood where you do uh, what is it, vinegar and um, steel wool huh. and you mix those in a what some sort of specific ratio it's it's all over the internet if you want to find it um you can find it pretty easily but then they take that and they'll paint it onto a blonde wood say a pine or something like that and mm. it turns it black pretty pretty surprisingly quickly um and if anything if it or i guess i don't know if it's black black you'd probably have to go s- s- multiple rounds 
Uh, and because it is such a heavily, it's such an oily and dense and resin filled wood, I wouldn't worry, worry too much about deep penetration. Um, because it's really more of that surface effect that you're looking for to darken it. And I would assume that if you put it on and then clean the handle with some sort of neutralizing agent of some sort, even just dish soap, um, would help to neutralize any, uh, residual acid from the vinegar that should help you to darken up the handle some, uh, and then get rid of the excess acid that's on the handle. Um, but I would definitely try an experimental piece first before you get too crazy with actually doing the handle on your knife. I've never done this. Mm. This is all my uh, whatever armchair quarterbacking. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, so maybe Jordan could try and get back to us. He could be our roving reporter with some live news next week. Yeah, he's going to tell come us back about with, the with yeah. a dilemma. He's going to come back with a dilemma. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. always how do I fix this? Yeah. I'm always surprised that when I use uh, wine, like oak from like a wine barrel, when we sand it and get it real clean, it's very, very blonde. And as soon as we put any wax or oil on it, it gets dark. Like yeah. those inner, those inner the inner recesses get real dark and it all of a sudden you get all that kind of, um, really nice character. Sure. I wonder, I, I know that like John Ariana uses some sort of darkening wax or on his, on his, or his hammer handles, I almost said ax handles on his hammer handles. And, uh, I wonder if something like that could be used. I don't think that it's probably food safe. Okay. I don't know necessarily. Right. Know, I don't necessarily know if this guy wants it to be black. It seems like, or just to darken, darken it. it. Yeah. Hmm. I think a lot of those guys use like, uh, graphite and wax or like, there's some other things in there that are, but it's not, it's, I wouldn't food. Sa- I don't think that's food safe. Whatever John's using. I mean, who knows what he, he's fucking pulling out of his back pocket. You know what I mean? Motherfucker. <laughs> that fucking guy. Ruben Steele. Ruben's Ruben Teal. Ruben Teal says, Good day. Good day. Long time listener, first time caller. I suffer from a condition. I have an abnormally small penis and I can't last longer than one to two minutes. My wife has nicknamed me the three pump chump. And I was wondering, oh shit, this is the wrong podcast. Oh, sorry. That's quite embarrassing. Surely you'll keep that part to yourselves. While I'm here, I'll ask you a question. I've yet to buck up and purchase a real disc grinder. Reversible, that is, with variable speeds on my chef knives. I have a fine tuning. uh, I have a fine tuning on my bevel with the diamond stones do you have a particular method that you would use without the grinder i know and i just need one thanks for your help apologies for the personal info sincerely emerson teal custom knives so he he doesn't have a disc grinder uh but he wants to fine tune the bevels on his grinder on his knife on the chef knife. Mm. get a fucking i mean i we get this i mean not no offense uh, Mr. Teal, but everyone says this shit. They haven't bucked up. Once you buck up and get a, a, the, the equipment that you need, you're going to say, why did I wait so long? That's <laughs> really what it comes every single time. You, I really want to make Damascus, but I don't have a press. Why did I wait so long to get this press? I got a disc grinder, and I, the first thing I said is, why the fuck did I wait so long to get this disc grinder? It is mm. in. It is complete for me. For the blades, for the handles, for everything, it is completely 100% the best way to go for me. I can't think of a better way to flatten something. Mm. Yeah. What what size um, wheel do you have on your disc grinder? 
You sporting a niner? Yeah, baby. <laughs> just like one inch short of that fucking pool you will dive into. <laughs> one, one inch short of that pool. I almost drowned yeah, in more, that fucking pool. I know, I'm on fucking crabby. <laughs> you almost got the crabby patty. I'm with you. I got you, baby. The old dungeness, minus one. Minus one. So you got a nine inch disc grinder. Is yours reversible? Oh yeah, yeah. I got I got forward and reverse. I don't really use one of the directions. I can't remember which direction it is. I only really use one direction, but um, I use it for everything. It's, it's I just I mean I can't say enough. I I mean I I got it because I was watching uh, the videos by our friend uh, Nick Wheeler, and then I started to remember that I, I used disc grinders when we when I was at metal shop, and I realized I remembered how convenient they are, mm-hmm. and I use them for. You know, making the handles sem- uh, symmetrical. I use them for rolling the handles and getting the, you know, some of the shaping in. And I love that goddamn thing. I, I, I it's cr- it. I hate it. I don't hate it. But when somebody says I'm, I, I want to get this, but I haven't gotten it, you should just say, all right, I'm just gonna. This is what I'm gonna get. And I, you know, they're not that expensive. So, and then if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com and you, you know, you check out what they have, they have a disc grinder attachment for their. Uh, for their machines. And if you go to BroadbackIronworks.com, they're the kings of the 2x72 grinder. You can put in Knife Talk 10 for 10% off your order, including all their attachments, all uh, the packages. And uh, they are going to be doing a uh, sale. Uh, they're going to be doing a sale for uh, in uh, for Black Friday. We'll get closer to November, and we'll talk about that. Oh, we're in November already. I think like the 15th, they're going to, next week we'll talk about the, the exactly, but you can get yourself some of them uh, parts, and one of the parts is a disc grinder attachment. That will be a cheaper way. And Teal, if you have um, a, a 2x72 grinder, they'll you can just probably get the attachment, and I'm sure you can retrofit it and bingo, bango, bongo. Hmm. It's much cheaper than buying a whole one. And then if your grinder is reversible and everything else, you're squared away. BroadbeckIronworks.com. Knife Talk 10. How does that work? Does that use a belt then to sort of drive the wheel, I assume? I think it's on the... Marekka, do you know how it works? Yeah, so it, it does. It goes to basically a, what would typically be your grinding wheel. and then, But it's actually just a post that the belt runs around and then the disc is attached to that. And, um, and so nice. it is a belt that's operating the, uh, the disc. Cool. Cool. Nice. There you go. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't have the questions because I don't have any of my well, kit with me. Um, here's what we have. You guys... We have more questions. Yeah. We also have listener feedback, and we also have uh, we have to get to, we have to finish off uh, uh, Bingo's uh, shop scary uh, thing situation. <laughs> yeah. Marek, do... why don't you read okay, let's, the let's... next question? All right, we'll let's do there. one more, and, yeah. we'll, and we'll move on. All right, this one is from Camp Arrowhead. He says, "Hey guys, I have a question for." A future episode. I run a small summer camp for boys in the mountains of North Carolina, and the the deliverance music just started playing in my head. Oh, jeez. We have a fairly good blacksmithing program in addition uh, to all sorts of typical summer camp offerings. We make all sorts of things in our shop, but every year we have an advanced project for the campers who are best in the program. We have done hammers How'd you and... stop them wriggling? <laughs> you Jesus motherfucker, Christ. you. You <laughs> motherfucker, <laughs> you. You scandalous motherfucker, you. 
Scandalous <laughs> motherfucker. We, we have done yeah. hammers and tomahawks so far. Thanks to Cliff and John for teaching us how. And I'm thinking of an, uh, of doing a knife and, oh, sorry. I am thinking a knife is going to be the next one this coming summer. My question is, what do you all recommend as the best knife project for the boys? I really like the idea of a fader friction folder type thing, but would love to know what you recommend or think would be best. Uh, thanks so much for all, uh, for all you guys do. Max of Camp Arrowhead for boys. Good dudes. Good dudes. They're good mm. dudes. So they're not new to this. They've already done hammers and tomahawks and all sorts. Right. Yeah, they okay. were at Maker Camp a few times, and yeah. then they've had Cray, uh, Cliff and John to uh, tomahawk classes and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, and my kid actually at Maker Camp this year did the uh, flint napping, uh, and there was uh, one of the other guys that was there doing bowyer work, which is making bows, and my son got to do some archery at Maker Camp. Super fun. Um, but Craig, I, I'm curious what you think. You're an outdoorsy guy, bushcrafter. What do you think would make sense knife-wise for outdoor well, survival skills? If they haven't done a knife before, I mean, I'm thinking about you know, my extensive, ex extensive experience of forging knives where I had an afternoon <laughs> at, um, <laughs> at, at That's Alex. a fucking good idea, dude. Go ahead. Yeah, and it was basically like a blacksmith's knife, you know? Mm. Um, so they're obviously used to blacksmithing. They've got the skills, but maybe not with knives. So that is something that they could bash out, you know, in an afternoon. Um, and that could be, you know, that's, that could be quite cool. Yeah. That is an excellent idea, Craig, because those blacksmith knives are underrated. And the reason why is because... I mean, they're underrated, but for like a project for especially without having to worry about glue to dry and all this and that and the other thing, and that's the Ford, that's the class to do, Max, uh, uh, like a, a nice blacksmith knife. Don't do the, don't do a lot of the articulations. The, I tell you that the, um, the friction folder is a lot of like files and stuff like that. It's a lot of like tricky little things. Do a simple camp knife. That's the move. Craig's right. Yeah. Master blacksmith. Mm. Yeah, yeah. and I everybody will have everybody will have something that will do the job. There'll be various levels of you know finesse to them, but even the worst will still do the job on it, I suppose. So that's yeah, it's probably a good idea. And you could do twists and stuff like that. Even like I yeah. hate to say it, I hate to say it, but the the train spike knife is not the worst thing in the world either, because you could actually do twists and stuff. You could do you could study the blacksmithing parts of different types of twists. Hmm. I mean. This is fucking summer camp. This isn't like, you know, this is the ABS summer camp. This is like Camp Arrowhead. Why don't you make some fucking arrowheads? It's your goddamn name, for Christ's sakes. Why do I have to come up with all these ideas? <laughs> okay. I think we've done enough of that. Do you guys want to go on to listener feedback, or you want to do Bingo Scary, scary Shop Moments? Let's do some listener feedback because I'm excited about Bingo Scary Shop Moments because last okay. week I found it hilarious. So, yeah. All right. So, uh, uh, listener feedback. If you want to interact with the show, guys, go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and then you can send us a message, send us feedback, uh, bit ideas. I mean, Bingo, uh, Brigham Kendall had that idea and it really worked out well. So, the first listener feedback comes from Cole Storm. He says, Hey, guys, another great episode. I just want to touch on Mareko's comments about killing bugs with brake cleaner. The stuff last week, uh, we were talking about killing spiders, I think, and mm. and Mareko suggested using brake cleaner. 
Um, I, I have been told that, just to clarify, I haven't actually done that myself. I've been told that that is very effective. Okay. Well, what Cole says is, this stuff works great for knocking wasps out of the air, but I have no luck with using it on spiders. Those nasty buggers seem resilient to its effects, and it might slow them down, but a swift boot stomp may be necessary. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Well, here's the problem, Cole. If you're in Utah... You got a fucking Black Widow problem that's making people shit their pants left and right. So that's a different <laughs> ball game right there. Um, Jack Dog Forge says, I don't know if he was influenced or inspired by Knife Talk, but a Fleabag podcaster named Joe Rogan said something about the monthly nut. We talked a number of months ago. Number, <laughs> really? <laughs> about the monthly nut, and Craig thought we were making a joke. But the, he was talking about the monthly nut. It was on episode 2048 with Reggie Watts. Thanks for the excellent podcast. Signed, Buster Hyman. So, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, I mean, the names are unbelievable. Um, Jeff Jackson says, last episode, Mareko talked about sometimes the parasitic relationship between more advanced makers and less experienced makers who are constantly taking from them and, quote, stealing their ideas and techniques versus the upward spiral that can exist as makers learn from one another and reinvent and innovate. And most, blah, 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 blah. as a new knife maker, I've been benefited significantly from the three of you as well as other makers, and I'd like to give back in some way uh, that is helpful and meaningful. So that I'm not always taking from you, uh, but so that you are the rest of the community can benefit from me as well. Uh, but as a new maker, we just don't have that much to offer yet because I'm just not on the same level as most of your experienced makers. I will uh, take time and experience for me to be constantly improving. But what? Um, basically saying, what can he do that would be a, uh, a mutually beneficial for the knife making community? So what would you suggest this guy do, does to give back to the knife-making community? I mean, I think he uh, he tells everybody he knows about our podcast. Fuck right. Yes, review and all the rest of it. Yeah, that would be great for us, yeah. Yes, yeah. you can, when we post, you can put in your stories. You can tell your friends. You can be supportive of other knife-makers in the community. Um. And uh, be positive. Be positive. I think that's the move. Um, where we are? Where you are line we? one up and I'll tell everybody about TexasFarriersupply.com. Okay. They've got everything. Whether you're a farrier, a knife maker, bladesmith, whatever you want to call yourself. If you're hitting metal, go to TexasFarriersupply.com. Um, they sell in Dasa Rhinoette, which is the sandpaper that we all use. We all know it saves you money and it saves you time. It's, it's the, the only sandpaper to use. They've got all the grits you could possibly need. TexasFarriersupply.com. Fill up your cart and get 10% off using Knife Talk 10. TexasFarriersupply.com. Here's a, here's a weird one from a, a little bit of way back. <laughs> I, this, is, this is just funny, but I don't know if even we've done this before. I'm not 100% sure I'm doing it again. So Plumley Knives, our good friend Plumley Knives says, here's a weird pee story. A weird pee story. I don't, know where, I don't know where we talked about pee, but apparently we did. I had a diabetes doctor that asked me one time if he ever knew um, if... If they ever knew how they tested to see if people had diabetes back before <laughs> modern technology. Did I do this one before? We did, yeah. No, really? Right, well, no, I don't, I... I'm going to do it for... 
Uh, <laughs> I don't <laughs> if he knew if the doctor turns to him and he says uh, if they ever knew how they tested people for diabetes back before modern technology. And he goes to me, uh, he, he goes on to tell me that they used to freeze a person's pee and then the doctor would lick it to see if it was sweet or not. Suppose <laughs> <laughs> supposedly, supposedly, people's bodies that don't have diabetes will use every bit of the sugar in their body, while diabetics uh, have no way to use it for their body to expel the pee. My doctor thought it was the coolest thing, and I just switched doctors. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet pee, nice. <laughs> that so is a gross. fuck. I, I think I remember us talking about. It. I can't remember when, but it's like, what doctor? would think that's an interesting topic of conversation yeah you know yeah. also who was the first doctor to, how did they, yeah. did they figure that out on accident or on purpose <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, was that? yeah well i'm looking at you everything seems right there's only one thing left to do <laughs> there's only one i mean there's only one thing left to do what's that doctor well i'm just gonna have to freeze some of your urine and eat it <laughs> See, and then what i don't know hopefully it tastes sweet well then how are you gonna find out if it's not well i gotta taste it in the regular person's pee and then i have to delineate between the two. Uh, yeah. Oh my god yeah i'm out we need, like to, control, on a sunny we need day. to control sample yeah, I mean, you, yeah. yeah on, a, on a sunny day a sunny day looking yeah. a piss pop <laughs> well, there you go baby <laughs> Um, I've got to say, having spent a lot of time in hospital over the last few weeks, the stuff that doctors and nurses have to do is just beyond me. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair dues to them. I, I, I just, yeah, sure. modern day heroes, without doubt. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I live with someone who's in a hospital every day, and, mm. and the what's worse is what the doctors have to deal with with people who think that they know what they're talking about. No, if, yes. Oh yes. my God. Please, yeah. I beg of you. If yeah. you know nothing except <laughs> people who know nothing except for what they directly care about, that's what it is. No one's, yeah. no one's ever uh, independent in terms of the outcome. Everyone has a dog in the fight and they have an opinion on the good or bad. Go give your opinion to a real doctor in a hospital and see what they say, man. They'll fucking put you right in the... They'll throw you right in the ER. It's like, yeah. oh, you have no idea. My wife is just like, oh, this woman won't take this, but swear to God, she will eat She will eat Kentucky Fried Chicken every day, and she will smoke yeah. all the cigarettes she got, and, you know, and then, but this is no good, so... Yeah. Well, why don't we go into Bingo's Shop's Scary Shop Moments? It. Let's do it. Uh, if I was at home, I would have got a jingle ready for this, you know. Right it's it's deserved of one. All right. So if you guys don't know, our friend Brigham Kendall, who is excellent, uh, suggested two weeks ago that we, uh, in, because of Halloween, this is this is a week after Halloween, um, what are your scary moments? And his scary moment was a, 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 he looked onto a respirator and he found a black widow spider on there. Um, so I have a suggestion at the end of this, I have a suggestion for next week's, uh, uh, submissions. Uh, Benjamin Mullen says, this is Benjamin Mullins on Instagram. Uh, once again, follow us on Instagram, my talk podcast on Instagram. If you guys are looking for more scares in the workshop for Halloween, my workshop is half wet, is half outdoors. And one day I was working on my shop. I had my headphones listening to music and I plugged in my angle grinder. I turned around to start cutting out a profile and there is a six foot five black bear standing on his back legs. He had Ooh. to be at least three to 400 pounds. And I was startled 
And I was more concerned when I noticed his manhood was in a happy position. <laughs> oh, Jesus oh, Christ. Fucking wow. big-ass boner on the bed, black bear. Is what he, <laughs> wow. Can wow. you imagine? I never even thought... I never in, in my wildest dreams, before we finish it, I never even considered that you'd be seeing a fucking bear boner while you were while you standing up. Grinding. He's, he's grinding? after the bump and grind. What yeah. the fuck did that bear, what was he looking for? I was, um, thankfully, I had the cutting disc on the grinder, and I turned the grinder on to make noise, and he bolted. It's easy to forget how many bears we have in your western North Carolina. Most of the uh, most of the time, I'm glad to see one, but not this time. Uh, I'm not sure what concerned me the most, the fact that his claws and teeth could easily rip me apart, or that he was happy to see me in my shop. <laughs> I pulled out and plugged in the loudest tools just in case. Um, I'm thankful bears hate loud noises. Wow, Never heard geez. a horny bear story before. I, I mean... And you know, yeah, I'm, I, I'm just about to Google bear's penis. Oh, Why you are not. What, you, what we're, what we're dealing with here? The hospital on the hospital Wi-Fi. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> There's some nurses being like, some guys looking about bear dicks in the e in the waiting room. And I'm making sure I'm spelling bear correctly, not just yeah. bear, bear penis. I got a bad feeling. I have a bad feeling you're going to end up on a, a gay website. And <laughs> that's what I'm. Like. I don't dude. think you're going to get the animal, my man. I think you're going to get some portly friend. Yeah, they, they seem to be pretty human. Yeah, <laughs> pretty human. Yeah, they seem to be pretty hurly. Here comes from uh, here comes from Lucky Bastard Artworks. Unsolicited advice on Bingo's scary stories. Oh, because we had a lot of like cuts last week. Um, oh, P.S. Uh, Benjamin Mullins did not shit his pants. Well, we know why. Um, unsolicited advice on Bingo's story. This is from Lucky Bastard Artworks. Tourniquets and massive hemorrhage trauma kits are available at plenty of places. $100 or so for quality ones. Uh, a little bit of training, YouTube learning can save yours or other lives. Also, spare, uh, spare, pair, spare a spare pair of skivvies for you after you shit yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, wasn't, wasn't uh, I think um, Alex Steele was selling tourniquet tourniquet kits oh yeah he did he put up a whole kits. video once didn't he about safety in the shop and then he started selling the the kits about the yes yeah yeah i mean somebody should be i mean we have had two bear situations and somebody should be doing you know psa's about like bear dicks or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> band-aids mean, bear spray yeah yeah bear spray yeah Okay, the next one comes from Jmod Knives, our boy Jmod Knives. He says, "Here's, here's to add scary things that have just happened. This is more of a spooky story about my property. When I bought my house six years ago, the realtor had disclosed some information before my offer could be accepted. Sure uh, enough, there was a brutal. Uh, sure enough, there was a brutal murder that happened in the house. A son had stabbed his mother and stepfather to death." After Jesus. getting this information, I never realized why the carpet in the house was ripped out. There was actually a few blood handprints on the wall, and I noticed that there Jeez. was a cleanup where the cleanup crew obviously missed. As creepy as it was, I couldn't pass up the offer in the house. But funny thing, a year later, uh, when I got into making knives, not sure if I really believe in ghosts or not, but I surprisingly haven't had anything superficial happen in this house or on the property yet. If there are ghosts, I'm probably giving them PTSD because I pretty much always have a knife in my hand. Hope this <laughs> yeah. adds to your shoes. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Do you guys believe? In, do you guys believe in ghosts? 
Yes. I, you know what? I've been listening obsessively to this podcast lately called Uncanny, and they are basically ghost stories and like supernatural phenomenon. Um, on this part, each week is a different story. It's a BBC thing, and it's amazing, and it pulls you in. And there's just some things that are just unexplainable. So as much as I say I don't believe in ghosts, I believe in something. I don't know what it is. Speaking it's science, of- isn't it? I mean, everything's got an energy, and when you die, where does that energy go? Something's got to happen to it, you know? Energy okay. just doesn't dissipate. Two things. One, you got me on that podcast with that uh, child that wasn't a child. Oh, that podcast, yes. That's well, a crazy story. Mareko, did you hear about this story? Yeah. This these, this family uh, adopts a, this Ukrainian kid who turns out not to be a child, but maybe an adult oh. or like older than... It was a weird story and there was like... It was a... Cri- what was the name of that podcast, Craig? Oh, I can't remember. I, I texted right. you, didn't I? I can't yeah, remember. It was, it was uh, bananas. It was, I would it, say it was, I'll find out. It was, the bananas part it. wasn't even the kid. The bananas part was the parents. The parents were like, who adopted this kid. It was a cr- totally deranged story. Um, Crazy. But uh, I, do you believe in ghosts, Mareko? Yeah, sure. I believe you do? in ghosts and supernatural shit. Really? Yeah. You both believe in ghosts? Why not? I don't believe in ghosts. Nothing know, at all. I know why. You don't well, believe in... You know what? Oh, I was say, I saying I think I know why. Go ahead. Is it because of the dinosaur ghosts? Well, that's number one. <laughs> number one, I was working... My last smell shop, I was working with this kid, and we were just all day, we were working, no one was talking. Uh, he was helping me fit these pickets, and I was grabbing him, welding him in. We were, he was working, I was working, no one said a goddamn word. Hours into the day, he turns to me and he goes, you never hear about ghost dinosaurs, do you? And I turn to him like, no, you don't. You don't. You certainly don't. He's like, eh, I don't believe in ghosts anymore. I'm like, eh, you know what? Me too. Me too. <laughs> so that's that it's, one. It's a sound logic, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. you don't hear about, and then someone said, well, what about the soul? You don't hear about cavemen or Neanderthal ghosts either. You know, give me a fucking, <laughs> give me a fucking caveman ghost and then I'm in. But everyone's got to be... Yeah, they always seem to be Victorian children. Yeah, yeah, yeah Victorian <laughs> yeah, yeah. children. That's right. Victorian yeah. children. I'll tell you, Never when a I caveman ghost. At Maker Camp, Jimmy Duresta had some crazy stories about ghosts in his house. He's full of shit, too. Love Jimmy. <laughs> but I love Jimmy. But love you, Jimmy. Like, you're full of shit. Jimmy's hilarious. I, I wish I could tell you the things he's told me, too. But it, just, it wouldn't be appropriate. But at the same time, it's just like, all right, Jimmy, we got you. Yeah, I know. I'm sure. <laughs> he likes, he's a little romantic, too. So romantic people like that shit. But there are no ghosts, guys. No di- Show me dinosaur ghosts, and I'm with you. All right. Uh, Turner Knives says, I got a bingo's shitting your pants story i was buffing a knife and my wife stopped by the shop between the buffer and the music blasting i didn't hear her come in uh she didn't intend to scare me but i screamed like a little bitch anyway the <laughs> knife got caught of the wheel shot through my hands blasted in the door between my feet at the at mock jesus after my wife and i were done shitting our respective pants i obsessively counted my fingers and testicles and there was mostly unscathed, only a minor gouge on my left thumb. Awesome show as always. Thanks for everything. Sincerely, fill me up. So. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> More effort required, Phil. Nah, fill me up's better. Than we, we had last week we had enormous stits. 
That was enormous. <laughs> no, we had Norma Stitz. Norma Stitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enormous. <laughs> um, yeah. That one. That one seems to come in a lot. Uh, Fox River Knives says, "Here's a scary moment for you on the podcast. When I was starting out, I was using my mom's shed uh, as the shop and running my forge for heat uh, heat in the winters. Being a dumb 16 year old kid, I was I had my forge on a metal table with the propane tank on to on too. I was working on some knives and I got up to take a break to find the hose connection on my propane was on fire. After oh, I was sweet. done shitting my pants, I ran over and grabbed a part of the hose that was on fire with one hand and turned the propane off with the other. Almost uh, turned my whole block into a parking lot, but always make sure your hose is clear of the flame. Yeah, I don't mm. think people realize that. Like, I always make sure that my hose is way away from the flame because you can, you can just get start to, you know... Depending on where your 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 burner is, you can definitely fall into that trap. Have you ever had any of those kind of situations happen, Morocco? Uh, hmm. I don't think so. Fortunate. I've been fortunate to not have that. I think also the way my burner. I have a Venturi burner that comes in from the side, and so the hose drops down immediately, and then I keep my propane tank like three or four feet away. I have a pretty long hose. There you go. That's it. We heard, that it. we heard about it 10 inches here, as you said. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Meyer says, I was running some handle material through my table saw at a 45-degree angle, had a brain fog moment, and set the push stick down, proceeding to push the wood with my hand and carved a nice groove into my thumb. Ugh. Luckily, Ooh. I had the depth set to a low uh, on the blade, and I still have a working thumb. Don't sleep on shop safety. You know, uh, now that I think about it, it was kind of a shitty scare scenario because uh, it actually happened and I didn't shit my pants because I really didn't escape the danger. I'm with you. Mm. Yeah, table saw cuts seem like they're just, it's not, it's just like takes. I feel like it's just yeah. not cuts, it just fucking takes. Yeah, table saw scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Yeah. You've had any uh, table saw mishaps, Recco? Uh, I've had kickback a couple times, but fortunately not in the way I, or not in the position to catch it, but I've definitely mm. had some kickback throw the pieces back. So that's when the, that's when a piece you're cutting, uh, honestly on either side of the blade, but typically if you're not supporting it properly and you're pushing it through and it's caught between the fence and the blade, uh, it'll throw it back, but it'll also happen with the scrap materials too. Yeah. And so you just got to be careful about that shit. But I've been I've been fortunate to not have those, and I have uh, an unusual confidence around table saws, yeah. <laughs> even though I don't really use them that much anymore. But I used to use them a lot more when I was younger. I had kickback yeah. that hit me in the thumb, and I thought for years I thought I'd broken the thumb, but oh, it, shit. it was it was okay. Yeah. Uh, Stu Lin says, "Going to keep this as short as possible." I was making shells for the shop out of scrap timber. I was passing some wood through the table saw to rip it down. My hand flinched, and I put the blade through three fingers. Yeah, it was bad. Seven hours of surgery to reattach them, but my nerves, uh, but the nerves uh, back together. The doctor said it was caused by me holding the wood in the same spot over and over again. That's what they all say. <laughs> my, my hand had muscle memory, and it needed to go back to flat. So he he holding it in the penis holding the penis position and he should have been mm. holding it in the pushing it away position, I guess. Mm. So mm. 
It's. I mean, this brings up a point of what you have in your shop with regards to safety. You know, because I'm like Jeff. I know yours. Yours is isn't anywhere. Well, both of you now is no one your home, and you can quite often be there alone. Do you, do you make sure you have a telephone close to you? Do you have? Obviously, you can have a first aid kit. What would you have in that? And that's, all that kind of stuff. That's the the scary thing is when you're alone, because mm, there are yeah. times where there are times where you're alone and something bad happens and. I get very like, I mean, with the table saw, I have a push stick and I, I have you know, basically two push sticks, one to hold it against the fence and then one to hold it down. And then I'm always very aware of that stuff. Uh, same thing with the power hammer. I get very, I'm very like, all right, well, this could be it. So let's not have that happen. So, mm. but uh, yeah, it is, it is a little bit scary that alone. Yeah. I've, I've only had a couple of those moments when I, cause I'm almost always in the shop by myself. Uh, but I've only had a couple moments where I was like, holy shit, that was really scary. But I usually do have my phone on me handy if I'm going to take a picture of something or phone phone call comes in. Um, and so if there is an issue, then I my phone's usually within reach. I just hope uh, when I need it, I can use my hand to grab it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We have three scary more. Stuff. We got three Go more. It. Don't we have three more? And then it's the end. And then I have we have a new thing. So Micah Dunn says, "Here's a, a little bingo scary moment. I was cleaning up a Damascus bill with a nine-inch angle grinder, uh, and was rushing a bit like a smart guy. And the edge of the grinding rock caught the edge of my vice and kicked it up at me. After I shit my pants, I walked over to my workbench and I looked down at the flat of the rock and hit my stomach." giving me some gnarly road rash looking mm. scrapes. I was just happy I wasn't pushing my guts back in. Needless to say, I started working on something else for a while before getting into that project. Yikes. Mm-hmm. That's the one good thing about the the the, uh, the uh, wire wheel. If you get the alligator, you know, the alligator just grabs the bottom of your shirt and it kind of crawls up towards your neck. It does stop. Like if if you have a cup... And you catch your your fucking you catch your fucking bottom of your jacket. Usually, what happens? It'll crawl up, but it'll stop because it gets bound up by your shirt. Right. But mm-hmm. that fucking disc ain't gonna get cut. It ain't gonna get stopped. Yeah, Nothing. those big ass discs too. What are they like? A quarter inch, three eighths of an inch oh, thick. Oh, three like eight. Oh, inch. easy three eighths inch. Yeah, easy. Those yeah, those things are. Gnarly. Yeah, they cut through. That's why I like those blocks better than those. You know, the the the. It's almost like a very. It's like a double hockey puck. Because they're a little easier to handle, and it wasn't so much disc. Like those big rock discs, those long nine-inch wheels, it's yeah. too unwieldy. But you get one of them cups mm. that's like a double hockey puck. Right. They're easier to work with, but you're not le- you're less likely to get yourself. Yeah. Um, Paul Jansen said, and you know what the funny thing is? You don't hear, maybe this is knock on wood good stuff, but there's so many knife makers who are learning how to make uh, knives at home using right angle grinders to cut everything out. You don't hear about as many accidents as you would expect, right? Uh, maybe they're just embarrassed to talk about them. <laughs> I was well, doing send this an anonymous. Thing. You can you can send in. Well, <laughs> this I'll, tool I'll, I'm not familiar with. I'm willing to take in anonymous right angle grinder problems. I'm sure. re- I'm willing to I'm willing to take in anonymous right angle grinder problems that you're embarrassed to say. I will block your name out. I will not repeat it. And if something happened, we want to know. I listen. I've done the alligator a number of times. I've done the alligator within the last month. 
I did them an alligator in the last month where it caught my sweatshirt and it fucking wrapped up going to my neck. And I thought, oh, the alligator. Ooh. I haven't had that in a while. So Jeez. I was embarrassed by it, too, frankly. Mm. Um, Paul Jansen says, so it doesn't happen to me. It didn't happen to me, but I got a scary, stop, a scary shop story. A guy in the community was using an oxyacetylene torch and wasn't wearing the proper shoes. The piece of molten steel he had cut off burned straight through the top of his shoes and part of his foot. He ended up being okay, but he walked with a limp for the rest of his life, and I'm sure he shat his pants. So, the, the Constantly th- shitting, hence the limp. Yeah, I I learned that shit too late in when I was an art when I was a uh, art major. I was using the torches, and I I wore a pair of sneakers, and I fucking got some sparks into that in that Nike. Boy, it melted it melted that shoe so fast. I mean, I'll, I'll never do it again. I mm. will say, if you are going to wear sneakers in a metal shop, suede Pumas give you a little bit more protection than like a pair of nylon Nikes. Mm. Oh, it used to be my shoe of choice. Suede Puma. <laughs> you make it sound so hot. <laughs> <laughs> suede Puma. Suede Puma. <laughs> hey, yeah. man, check out my... How, is your suede Puma fuzzy? <laughs> and last but not certainly not least, Legacy Blade says, here's Bingo's Scary Shop Moments. Uh, I had some belts hanging on my vise near the grinder and some wood dust built on the bottom of the belt loop from grinding handles. I was cleaning up a tang and a spark landed that dusk and I looked over and there was smoke rolling out of a pile of belts. I can't even tell you where the source is. After shitting my pants, I scooped up water out of my water bucket and drenched the whole mess. As you guys have talked about, you gotta be deliberate about cleaning up, especially when you're making sparks. Welcome back, Craig. Hopefully, Jared. So there you go. Scary shot moments. Thank you very much. You should definitely do that again next year. Well, yeah. We have, I have a new bit, but did you have something you wanted to say, Craig? Well, I just want to tell everybody about KnifePrint. KnifePrint.com. If you've never done any sort of CAD work at all, which is computer-aided design, um, they make it super, super simple. No need to download any programs and buy licenses, all that kind of stuff. Just go to KnifePrint.com. It's all done in the browser. If you've never done it before, they've got a really good education center to show you how to do it. Um, Special tools, which are knife-specific which you'd never even see on other uh, CAD programs anyway. Um, But the great thing is, once you've designed your knife, obviously you can save it and share it with others. You can print it out to paper. It's a great template. But you can also print it out to steel. Um, Press print, choose the the steel you want, the thickness, um, and they'll laser cut it or water jet cut it and send it out to you. So great for prototyping, short runs, that kind of thing. Go take a look at knifeprint.com. Really is a cool service. So we're now, we're entering, I heard my first Christmas commercial. This is November 1st. I heard my first, I heard two of them. I heard two of them yesterday. Yesterday was the 31st. Oh no, yesterday was the 1st of November. I heard two Christmas holiday type commercials. So we're in that season, guys. I want you. Here in the UK, all the shops are full of Christmas tat already. Yeah. I want you to send in, when you have a customer you have a customer or a potential customer. I want you to send in red flags of, the, of this customer. As in, 
you get an email from a guy and he says something and the red flags go up that this is some bullshit. (laughs) We're going to create a profile for all you knife makers. So when you get this email, I'll give you an example. But we're gonna, you're going to send in red flag personality traits of emails or potential customers that you think is almost too good to be true. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's a good example. We're dealing with a guy, and um, he started telling Allison how much money they have to spend. But, you know, we don't care about money, and you don't understand what this project costs. And they start talking about how much money they have and how how big of a deal it is and how big my red flag binders go up if you're in business to buy something you don't start telling everybody how much money you have you know mm-hmm. it's just it's, it was a red when i heard it she's like oh yeah there are big people and they have all this money and then red flag does that make sense yeah 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 completely. so yeah. do you have any yeah. like per, you have any emails where the red flags go off immediately when you when you get in when you get an email I've had one literally today, and I'm looking at it now. Um, and at first, I thought it was a joke by the by the guy's name, but I won't say the name just in case it's not. And it's literally, hey, looking for an eight inch, eight inch kitchen knife with exotic wood. Um, thank you, with a phone number. That's What's it. the red flag? To the point. Why don't you just know that there's no introduction to you know who they are, or you know I've seen your knives or anything. They've literally just blanketed that out to every maker that they can right. think of i'm sure of it you know yeah <laughs> it, he's straight to the point i bet uh, that guy's really good at best i kind of like straight to the point <laughs> like i kind of appreciate straight <laughs> yeah. to the point hey craig likes the foreplay knife with exotic wood yeah he likes Thank that you. bear with the big old dick <laughs> i do yeah exactly but a so, foreplay first come on <laughs> Mareka, do you have any red flag customers or red flag interactions that immediately like you hold it into your file banks of your brain. And when you see it again, you're just like, I've heard this bullshit before. Uh, what is it? Uh, it's, it's just kind of like when people start talking from kind of, um, and like they have some sort of expertise, uh, in knives, um, when they definitely, when they definitely don't. And, and then, yeah, they just like have all this, like this ideas and, uh, feel like they have this knowledge of what they're looking for. And almost uh, 100% of the time, these are people who are not necessarily actually in the place to buy something that's actually handmade. They're looking right. for something like 100 or $200. Right. And that's just not where I or most handmakers of knives and edge things are at. <laughs> and so when they start talking like, oh, well, I do this and I own this and I whatever yeah. other thing, I'm just like, red oh, flag. Here would be a red flag when a guy tells me all the knives he has, and they're all like, "I have the pile, I have the, the I have the Wustoff Deluxe set, and I have the Mizzen this, and the uh, you don't understand." And when they give you their their resume in regards mm-hmm. to you know that's always a red flag. And then the other one is when they use words like uh, protein. When they say, "When I cut my protein, <laughs> I only use carbon steel knives." Red flag, immediate red flag. So, guys, listen to, go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, send us your red flags, and we'll read them off, and then hopefully you guys won't have your time wasted because you'll listen to this podcast. We'll read off everyone's red flags, and we'll be able to identify these kooks. Yeah, it's red flag season. Red flag season. 
So we can go back to questions and uh, we can, whatever you want, Craig. Let's do questions. Yeah, let's do it. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Before we get back, before we go to the questions, I want to, we must thank, we must thank our friend Lawrence Lake over at Maritime Knife Supply, MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. If you want to, either the distributor of, of Damasteel, Broadbeck, they have all, they have the gator piss, you need that. They got steel belts, abrasives, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, pre, all that stuff. And they're also the distributor of combat abrasives. Now, I ordered some, I just want to tell you how, I live in New York, he's in Canada. I placed an order Tuesday. I placed an order Tuesday for some from some stuff for from Lawrence, and it's coming. It's arriving Friday morning. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for especially for like a distributor of stuff. So the shipping is very quick. There was no whole big production with the import export any of that bullshit, and it's I'm really pumped. So go to maritimeknifesupply.com, and uh, if you buy a ten pack of abrasive belts, you will get. Um, ten percent off. So maritime knife supply dot com. Reckon you want to read us a question or? Yeah. All right. This next question is from Noah Rockland. Uh, hey, knife talk. I got a question about putting a maker's mark on a Damascus blade. If electro etching, is it best to etch the maker's mark before etching the blade and ferric? I'm working on a knife now and started the ferric etching, and it hit me. I probably should. I should have done the maker's mark first, so I pulled the knife out. Would it be a bad idea to etch my maker's mark now, even though it's already been in ferric, before continuing the rest of the etching process, the blade etching process? Thanks, love the show. Good question. That's a good question. Very good question. Yeah, yeah. Marekka, be- what, what would you do? Are you, are you etching anything, or are you stamping everything, first of all, Marekka? I don't have a hot stamp. And I would love to have a hot stamp. I just don't have one. Presently. Yours would be like four inches long. No, no, no. I would probably just do like this, the the M's. Oh, yeah. My, my double M's. Um, I I typically etch the or do the maker's mark. My, I electro etch the maker's mark before I do my blade etching. But if you have started the etching process, and I'm pretty sure I've done this too myself, it, ideally you catch it sooner than later. You pull the knife out, and you'll probably have to scrub it back with like whatever 2,500 grit sandpaper or steel wool or something, just to like clean off the oxides in that area. But you should be able, as long as it's not super gnarly, uh, kind of like where uh, or, or texturally, I guess on the blade, you should be able to get in there and mark the blade just fine. Even if there is even just like the slightest, uh, slightest, slightest, yeah, yeah, <laughs> slightest little slutty texture to the surface of the blade. Um, you should be able to get in there and uh, hit your mark on there uh, with no problem. I would think sense. the one thing that you got to definitely do is you want to, you got to go etch. You don't want to go mark. Because Mark's going to do anything. Now, I was wondering, Mareko, Yeah. based off of every time I etch into anything other than plain steel, like if I if I uh, etch into uh, mill scale, okay. it always etches at the same texture of the stuff. So when I'm etching in the mill scale deep, yeah. if I look into it, it's the same texture as the mill scale because it's it's a it's doing whatever it is. it's not it's not going to give you a flat. It's not going to give you a flat bottom. It's going to give you whatever the whatever the surface is, the right? Surface was, yeah. So yeah. if you hit it with the ferric and then you hit it with the etch, 
you're still going to be going up those peaks and valleys at the same rate. You're going to end up having the same rate, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that the same thing will happen if there's if there's even uh, a slight texture to the surface. Uh, and that is a good point uh, for people to kind of keep in mind as well. And when it comes to the marking versus the etching, if you're doing a mono steel blade, uh, say you have like the personalizer or the personalizer plus, the etch creates depth and actually eats material away. And like Jeff was referring to, whatever the starting surface looks like, that's what it's going to do. It's going to it's going to evenly eat the surface down. Um, it's not going to like magically flatten anything. Right. And it'll eat the surface down however deep you go. And then the mark is where it just darkens that mark. Um, when I'm doing my blades, uh, I do a pretty, I feel like it's a, an aggressive uh, electro etch to have some good depth on my blade so that the mark shows through the finish or through the blade etching uh, for the contrast of the pattern. Um, but. I'm not usually too concerned with the mark portion of it because in the etching process and the scrubbing and cleaning things off, the mark usually ends up um, pretty dark. I, in fact, I, more and more lately, I try to, I want the mark to definitely be there, but I don't want it to be too distracting from what's actually happening on the pattern. And so I do a deeper etch, but then I get in there and I scrub it and clean it out using like a rubberized abrasive or something like that. So that when I go into either my weak ferric or uh, instant coffee bath um, for the contrast etch, um, it is, it, it, if the, the pattern flows straight through the maker mark, maker's mark as if it's not even there. One thing, a couple things, when I uh, tried to maker's mark uh, I tried to electro etch with uh, some um, copper maskus I got from Baker Forge and Tool. Mm -hmm. The the copper blows the door. I mean, it, it melts. It's it's a it's a total wreck. Um, it doesn't. Mm. It, it just turns oh, into when a you're complete hot punching. Not hot punching when I'm electro etching with, with the stencil. Oh, yeah. It just totally like it starts to the, the copper just falls apart. It's it it really. It's, yeah, it's just like a smear. I don't, I mean, I gotta talk to Koi and see what I'm doing wrong, but. That's a problem. But mm. one of the tricks that I learned from Matt Gentry when I do the tumble is I'll do a deep etch before I put in the acid. So if I put before I put in the acid, I'll do a deep etch and then I'll hit it with the mark. Um, and what happens is that bottom the bottom of the the bottom of the etch will be dark. Mm. You, then yeah. you put in mm. the acid. It's up. Yeah. You yeah. put in the acid and then afterwards you put in the tumbler the medium can't the media cannot get into that space so yeah. the black stays black and it's a pretty nice finish so that they, they, all these different etch, etching techniques before and after it's always kind of interesting what effects you can do but i still mm. use the Mareko momasi technique of you put a piece of tape on and make a window and then you you open up you 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 so you put the tape the black the blue tape on the knife where mm, and then on hinge. the stetch yeah and then you and then the yeah. tape is a hinge and you're able to open it up and clean it off and put it down and see if it's dark and see if it's deep and see if whatever you want it as opposed yeah. to hoping 
because then you can never if you use your finger and put it down there it's always a disaster you have to be able to look yeah, yeah so yeah. thank you for and that you're never you're never able to line up again you'll get oh, ghosted yeah. yeah yeah totally yeah total yeah. well and i gotta give credit to our friend bill grulick who actually oh, yeah. turned me on to that i mean i was already doing like the hinge kind of technique uh, but i wasn't using it uh the way that i do now which is what i got from him and what you just described of kind of like lifting it up take a look and wipe it and clean it just because some of the especially when you're doing the etch like it's eating material away and as that material builds up you want to be able to wipe that away because otherwise it'll start to it, you'll you lose the sharpness of your of your lines um yeah. if that if that kind of loose material is allowed to kind of just stay around a slag or just whatever you want to call it and shout out to img 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 yeah. right She's, uh, she listens Patricia to the podcast, Bruno. Patricia Bruno. She listens to the podcast where she had listened. I don't think she listens to it anymore, especially with she's talking the about best. bear, bear yeah. dicks. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's like, <laughs> she already turned it off like 50 oh, minutes yeah, ago. Yeah. She's just like, I didn't wait. Yeah. I don't care if you shout my name out. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she hooked me up. We, I did a, I did a, I had a, um, a custom order and they wanted their logo. And then the turnaround, her turnaround was so goddamn fast. I was very surprised. So IMG, shout out to Patricia Bruno. She does it for, she does the electro etching for uh, stencils for everybody in the United States. She's really, really great. Fast, real fast. Yeah, she's awesome. And we met her. You and I met her together at, at uh, last time we were at Blade Show, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Talk great to, to meet her. her. Yeah. Yeah, she's up there in Utica. She's not far from you. Yeah. Well, that's far from me. Utica's well, far. Well, compared to me. Compared to you. Yes, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> this one comes from Zach Mapes. Hey, guys, I just discovered the podcast. I'm sure you've covered this before, but I'm looking for trying to set up my press, Try to uh, trying to set up to press and power hammer. Any tips step, would be... Step up. Sorry. Oh, step up. Step up to press and power hammer. Any tips would be greatly appreciated. I've been to the coal forge site and it seems to, uh, the small seems too small. P.S. I have my buddies. Uh, I put my buddies on your podcast and it could and it could, uh, could have saved me $400 on my grinder had I been listening to you guys before I purchased. So, <laughs> Zach, welcome aboard. Well... This is an interesting conversation because um, I have opinions on presses and power hammers and people's reasoning behind it all. So what do you, what do you think, Mareko? I mean, I like I, I I really like the press. I think it's a versatile tool, and you can use it for more than just forging Damascus. I feel like you can use it for all kinds of stuff um, if you want to get creative. Um, and if they, your neighbors don't hate you. Yeah, and especially if you don't want your neighbors to hate you. If you're working, living in a tight uh, neighborhood where just like the houses have hardly any yards and, you know, uh, you're really close. Yeah, the way to keep the, the hate down is by getting a press. Because uh, if you get a hammer, even if oh. it's just a little 50 or even a 25-pound hammer. You hear it, it everywhere. Yeah, you're, you can hear that thing for probably about a quarter of a mile. Um no, nah, maybe not that far, but anyways, you can yeah. hear four ways <laughs> and it makes a lot of noise and it shakes the ground, uh, but they're great. Um, and uh, obviously you can make all kinds of crazy tooling for power hammers. Um, and the way they strike the metal or move the metal can be very different from how you, you move metal using a press. Uh, so, but if you're just starting out, I think a press is honestly a really great and really strong place to start because of its versatility, 
because um, you know you if you have an industrial space, then great. But if you have to be doing it in your garage or whatever, then it's also a, a, a good to go. Um, but I, I really do love having a power hammer for particular ways that it can move material differently than what you can accomplish with a press. Yeah. And and with a press, you get to watch your disasters in slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the best part. It's just like, you want to watch something, you want to watch a slow car crash? Use a press. You know, mm. a, one hit with a power hammer, you're just like, oh, how the fuck did that happen? But with a press, is like, oh, no. Yeah. It's like, uh, <laughs> it's like on Austin Powers where he's driving the steamroller. Right. And there's a guy like 50 feet away just screaming. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, 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 it was interesting to me is, and I'm going to have, uh, Brian house on full blast next week. And I'm, I'm interested in this concept of, are we, are we also, and I'm not saying this to Zach. I, I wonder if we're, if there's a lot of horse before the cart stuff and oh, sure. part of me kind of blames our podcast among other things for, and forge and fire for creating this adding to the community of knife making where it's commercial, where we're trying to make much as much money. We're trying to make money and try to make a go of it. And I wonder if people are spending time and energy focusing on the farther ahead stuff rather than you know, learning how to forge and kind of getting it down. That's my opinion. I, I, I see things and I see people and I hear people talk and I just wonder if we're, if there's a major cart before the horse in regards to what we should be focusing on as craftspeople. Hmm. Hmm. There is that thing of getting too many toys and not having any time to master them, isn't it? You know? Right. And, um, yeah, I'm probably guilty of that myself because I like toys. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. If, if, if you've got limited resources, you're going to learn how to use those resources far, far better. There's right. no doubt about that. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, that's my opinion. I, I, I think yeah, that yeah. Uh, in, in the, in the, and in regards to if the small's too small, if you're just, you're just like, well, Jeff, I've been doing this for 40 years and I'm ready to fucking do something big. The, the fishing reel, I usually use the fishing reel as I was obsessed with fishing when I was younger. I loved it. I would buy, I would buy everything and I have these specific reels that I liked. And, and what happens is, is, when you start to get into fishing, you end up getting the cheap shit and all of a sudden you outgrow it very quickly. So that's, this is called being a prosumer where you don't like step up to what you know. So if you're going to buy a press and it is a big investment, you might as well get something worth a damn, you know, don't, you know, you're going to grow. If you find yourself growing out of something that's always just like you're like people i mean no offense to people use the one by 32 grinder but it's like you know you're going to grow out of it you know you mm. unless you're unless you're just like i don't know if i like this or not so mm. this if the small is too small then you know the answer what do you think i'm gonna hit some Corey anderson Corey henderson there yeah. yes 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 sorry <laughs> do you guys have any suggestions or this is from Corey Henderson? Do you guys have any suggestions on how to test a culinary knife without causing a patina to form? I mostly use onions and tomatoes, tomatoes since uh, they're pretty much always around, um, but the onions like to leave their mark. Thanks a mm. bunch. So yeah, I onions know why you're tomatoes. distracted. 
Lemon. What's distracted. that? I know why you're distracted. Why's that? I sent <laughs> pictures of. I sent pictures. I sent you guys both pictures <laughs> of dick, dick pics. Yes. Bear dick pics. <laughs> I got nervous when I was just like, let's see, well, let's see what's all about. I'm just like, oh god, here we go. The FBI's on my case, and uh, now all of a sudden I'm just like, oh yeah, these bears do have some, you know, real penises. So they do. They, yeah, I felt yeah. that. I, I, I felt it was important to let you guys know that you know. You know, we're we're here for everybody. So, <laughs> Craig, what okay. do you think onions. about uh, what do you think about okay, testing and, a knife? Yeah, onions and tomatoes. They're they're both acidic, and um, he mentions onions leave a mark. I find tomatoes or tomatoes um, just as bad, actually, um, if not worse. Um, sure. I like to use carrots um, because they're they're very cheap. You can buy a big sack for virtually nothing, um, but they're fibrous too. And and when you cut a carrot, they want to cut in a certain way. And I find when blades aren't cutting well or they could be dull, they'll just go the way of the way of the carrot. Hmm. Um, but if you've got a, a nice sharp knife, it'll do. You're in control. It'll do what it wants to do. So I think carrots are really good for for testing because they don't they don't leave a mark generally. And um, and because as I say, because they are fibrous. You've got you've got something to play against. If that makes sense. Nice. You just also named the show, by the way. The oh, way, which the, is the way of the carrot. The oh, way of the carrot. <laughs> I put it up there. That was a good one, there, Craig. The old way of the carrot. The way I like it. Yeah. Um, for me personally, if I'm trying to dial in my geometry, uh, I'll I'll do test cutting on the knife before I start any of the hand sanding and finishing. That way, if I don't like the way the knife is cutting, I can get back on the grinder and make adjustments. Um, but I'll do my cut testing before I even finish the knife. That way that it's, it's not leaving or causing a patina to start to form on the finish thing because by the time I get to the finish thing, I'm already happy with how it's cutting and I feel confident about that. So I'm good with finishing it out from there. And then so even you... if you, go ahead. So, so, so you'll do all your 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 acids and all that kind of thing after sharpening. Uh, sorry. So I'll take the edge off. So I'll do. My, I have my rough blade, right? And mm. I'll do all my finish grinding, or at least what I think is supposed to be all my finish grinding. I'll do um, some testing. I'll cut some onions, potato. I'll I'll bring the knife home sometimes and cook with it. Uh, and to do that, I have to put an edge on. But it, depending mm. on how that's cutting if i feel good about it then great i'll rip that edge off and then i'll do the hand sanding i'll do the etching and everything on the marking and the etching all that stuff i gotta do but if i'm not good with how it's cutting because it still is in a has machine marks on it uh, or machine finish i'm happy to go back onto my grinder and right. adjust my geometry or the grind or the convexity or whatever it is i think needs to be adjusted for it to cut better then i'll test it again and if i'm good with it at that point then i will finish it out uh, but before i do any of the finishing stuff if i do at any point put an edge on i always make sure to take that edge off because that is sketchy we're gonna have some bingo's little shop of horrors situation going on yeah. What about you, Jeff? How are you testing your knives? I mean, I I te I I kind of my system has worked pretty good, and I sharpen it and use paper, and I the the my final profile is usually how I like it. Uh, I have kind of a system in place that I get it to where the geometry is always pretty much mm -hmm. the same, and you know, 
And if, and I also stand behind everything. So like if I send something out and somebody says something, I send it back. I'll take, I'll, I'll fix it for you. So I don't really, I don't really bring it home and cut. I have some that I have that I bring home like testers that I use that, that I end up keeping. Mm-hmm. And then I adjust everything based off of how those are working. Sure. So, but, uh, yeah, I don't, each knife I don't test with vegetables. I think both of you guys are missing a very strong point is that you work with stainless steel, so you don't have to fucking right. deal with that bullshit. I mean, oh, right. most yeah, often yeah, you're yeah. working with stainless. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. if you really want to avoid that, start playing with some stainless instead but, of carbon steel. But P.S. AEBL can rust. Sure. So even I mean, from humidity in the even yeah. from humidity. Um, so what I I end up doing a lot of times if we have stuff that's 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 sticking around for a while. I'll hit everything up with a little bit of oil, mm-hmm. even if it's an AEBL. And I know I'm being crazy. Part of me is just like, I thought I was fucking stainless, but I, I can't. I don't yeah. want to refinish something if it's yeah. going to stick around. I mean, it is called stainless, not stain impervious. That's it. That's and all stainlesses will stain if not properly handled and cared for. That's what they say. All right. <laughs> Let's go with uh, Duck Rabbit Forge. Duck Rabbit Forge says, Okay, in response to the debate about testing blade hardness with a file, surely if it comes back hard, then it's hard. The decat carb and all that would come back with a false negative, right? Uh, if the blade skates a file, then it's hard. Decarb or no, right? Love the show. Does that make sense? Yeah, so that's referring. Was that last week or the week well, before? Well, we, we were. We might have mentioned the fact that when you're testing a knife, the yeah. decarb can give you a, a poor response because it's softer. Right. And then you take away the decarb, and then you get the hardness. Yeah, and I think my point was that you want to make sure you get through that decarb before you're trying to do any effective testing. But I think also something people need to take into consideration, you you don't want to just use any file. I mean, if that's what you got, then that's what you got. But ideally, there are hardness testing files, and they are of a known hardness, and they will give you a responsive feedback. And there's just so many different ways that files are made, the materials they're made out of, and how they're heat treated. You don't actually know what their actual hardness is that you're testing against. And so you might be able to get the the file to skate across the blade, but if it's a shitty, cheap file that's not actually that hard, then that's not actually too impressive Mm. versus working with known tools of whether they're uh, hardness testing chisels, files, or even a rock wall tester. um, Most ideally. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to uh, like a harder use knife, then I would say a file skating should be fine. Um, But if you want to get, uh, if you're going to be playing up at higher hardnesses uh, and thinner cross sections, like we do with culinary knives, then you're going to have to work with some more precise materials or tools to measure that hardness. There you go. Look yeah. You. Very good answer. Yeah. And one last thing is I would suggest if you want to get into chisels, Matt Parkinson, who was, um, I mean, he's an awesome knife maker. He made hardness testing chisels and um, which he, you know, he really, he really swears by, and so does Kevin Cashin, and they have them at uh, Maritime Knife Supply. So get your if you don't want to get a Rockwell tester and you're looking for something a little bit more, you know, a little give you a little bit better idea, get yourself one of them hardness testers, at, uh, the hardness chisels from uh, Maritime Knife Supply. So how would a chisel work as opposed to a file? Then Just, what are you doing with the chisel? 
you can't it's it's just the each each of the chisels pardon me is is a specific hardness and it and it'll tell yeah. you when you scrape if you can oh, carve right. with yeah. it what it can take off yeah yeah okay yeah, and usually i think the set of chisels that matt makes they go in one point uh yes. increments so it's like it starts down at like maybe 57 or 58 and it goes up through like 62 or 63 Rockwell. i think it's even more than that there was, it was it's now? like it's like it's like seven or it's like eight or it's like eight okay eight chisels on a key ring yeah and so maybe they go in half point increments or but i don't know but yeah, basically, it's like instead of having the file, which is multiple cutting teeth, it's just one tooth. And if it digs in, then that means the chisel's harder than the steel. And if it slips or slides or skates, that means the steel is harder than the chisel. And so that'll give you a better idea of where your rock wall hardness is at. And over time, mm -hmm. those those chisel uh, the 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 files, the teeth wear down. So yeah. you are going to get a different result from every time. But yeah. the rock wall chisels, each chisel is the hardness yep there you go what yeah. do you want to do craig cool. let's we have to talk about um, steel, don't we of course of course yeah so that's coming up the darn steel chef invitational is this month wow wow um yeah so all of those who bought a bought a piece for the for the build along um it's good to we're actually starting to see a lot more pictures coming through now on the um the, the dharma steel build along hashtag um but yeah for those who haven't used uh, dharma steel before it's a stainless damascus and it's beautiful beautiful stuff easier to work with than you'd ever think um and the website has lots of information of how to work with it um but they've got great patterns um a great place to look is actually their instagram which is dharma steel ab you'll see the kind of stuff people are making with dharma steel it's always special high-end stuff um, so if you're ready to go to the next level, get yourself some some Dharma Steel. Um, Dharma Steel .se is the website. Use Knife Talk on checkout, and you'll get ten percent off your order as well. And that can be quite a big saving. So go take a look. Dharma Steel .se. Um, great people making a great great product. And the Dharma Steel Chef Knife Invitational is November eighteenth. We'll be doing a live podcast like we do every year. It's our favorite show. And mm -hmm. you can watch, you can, you can join. The tickets are free. It's all online. You go to the Damascus Steel, you can register. And then that day on the 18th, you can watch us. You can, well, you could talk to us. Uh, you can, you know, chirp at us from the bleachers. Uh, we'll be interviewing people. <laughs> we'll be talking about stuff. We'll be fooling around. Hopefully, you know, we'll figure something out. I'll give away the winners five minutes before I should. Oh, yeah, that kind of thing. God, you know what? The, I'll, tell you what <laughs> I'll tell you what my favorite part of last year's Damn Steel <laughs> Chef Knife Invitational was. Where is was uh, Carly, who is the greatest, by the way. Carly is the best. She listens to this podcast. She loves this podcast. Carly, you would start to give some information away, and then Carly would pop up and stop you and then it got to the point where we were like seeing how many times you could get carly to, and you'd pretend and then carly would keep coming back up guys guys it was hilarious it was hilarious and if you are doing the chef knife uh you're doing the damn steel uh, build along you can submit pictures up until november 10th november 10th wow, is the okay. deadline for get some good pictures don't have your feet in it don't have your dick out don't have your hand on there. You know what I'm saying? We all <laughs> talked about this. Make sure you do a nice picture and send it by November 10th for the DCI on November 18th. And where are they sending so those to? I don't know. Damn steel. 
what it was, I think it was DCI at DharmaSteel.se, I think, from memory. You could also yeah. shoot them. And, and, and P.S., if you have any questions for Damasteel, email, put them in their D, send them in their DMs too. Do you know, I can't, we're not, we don't work for Damasteel, so we don't really have like the ins and outs of the rules and stuff like that. So they're very good on Instagram, so you can check them out on Instagram. Yeah. Nice. So, so yeah, you got just over a week to get those photos in. So it was just under a week to get those photos in. Mm-hmm. I got to do mine. I'm going to make mine. Did you make yours yet, Craig? It's three quarters of the way there, and I'm hoping I'll be back in time to finish it. Um, it basically needs a finish and a handle. Yeah, so it's, it's shaped and it's ground. So, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, nice. mm-hmm. Very exciting. All right, there you go. Oh, yeah. Well, do you want to do questions? Do you want to do after show? Get the fuck out of here? Or what do you want to do? Let's do, let's do a little after show, shall we? Okay. Shall we? Thank you all for listening. And um, we will be back, the three of us, um, next week. Bye for now. What is bye for now? Bye for now. It's become a thing. It's it's my, I'm with you, I think. Yeah. Mm. Bye for now is good. Toodaloo. Bye for now is yeah. good. Toodaloo. <laughs> that was also, <laughs> yeah, toodaloo. Yeah. Oh, I have a question for you, Craig. Yes. Now, I hope this isn't controversial, but I heard... It, there's an American expression. If you, all right, I'll ask you the question and then you tell me what the answer is and then we'll figure out if this is controversial or not. If you okay. make a bet with someone yeah. and then that person loses and refuses to pay off the bet, that person is called a. I would Do you know? know. Don't know. Have you no. ever heard the expression welching on your bet? Mm, You've no. never heard someone's a welcher? No, Welcher, no. You've never, uh-huh. Mareko, you've heard of yes. somebody Welch going to bet. For sure. It's a very common expression. If you don't, if you, if you're going back on your bet, you're Welching on your bet. Well, apparently. Well, Welching or Welching? Well, it's Welching, <laughs> but we say Welching, but it's Welching. And apparently oh. it's offensive okay. to people from Wales. Well, well I, I've never heard of the phrase, so. That's I'm not crazy offended. that you've never heard of the phrase, but that's like, no. I mean. I can't think of another phrase that I've known since I was a kid. Oh, he's Welshing on his bet. That's a huge, that's a normal part of society of betting. Fucking asshole Welsh on his bet. He owes Let's me 10 go bucks. back to like some sort of history in the UK. Yeah. So I yeah. guess I was wondering, you're from Wales. Where it comes from, yeah. I don't know. Never, never heard of it. Don't Are know. you offended by it? Not particularly, no. Uh, okay. No. All right, I mean, if, well. if it was something that I heard every day, I probably would be, but... The fact that I'm only just hearing it now from you. That's no, crazy, because you're old, yeah. too. You should have heard this expression before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm offended. Welsh on a bet. Yeah, Welsh on a bet. To Welsh on a bet, to cheat by failing to pay a gambling debt. You aren't going to Welsh on your bet, are you? Welsh. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Oh, I'm sure it's not offended. I guess no one's offended. Yeah. <laughs> well, hmm. there you go. No, uh, hmm. controversy solved. <laughs> they never, the even, fucking, exactly. yeah, never yeah, even heard yeah. about it. Here, I got something. It says in the 1860s, in English horse racing slang, the very like uh, and very likely is an insult geared towards Welsh people, which resulted from the uh, xenophobic mistrust of the people 
group by the English. This ethnic tension hails all the way back from the 400s CE when the Anglo-Saxons, Jutes, and other Germanic invaders began displacing the Celtic tribes in uh, in what is now England. The word for the Welsh, uh, Wela, um, literally means foreigner, despite the fact that they were, ironically, the natives of the land. Wela comes from the Proto-German word, well, Jesus, all these foreign words, yeah, yeah. blah, 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 which could refer yeah, to blah, any blah, Celtic blah, group, shit, baby. <laughs> any <laughs> Celtic group, but earlier on was specific to the Volke people who probably had the name meaning something like Hawk or Proto-Celtic. So it's just, it's I just a derogatory says, term. It doesn't sound like it has so anything Welsh to do with So Welsh is to gaming. avoid payment. Yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. No, I've never heard that before. That's strange. Basically, yeah. you're saying if somebody's Welsh and you're just saying, oh, you're going to be shitty like those people. <laughs> like the Welsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, all these bear dick pics are hilarious. Have <laughs> <laughs> you said more? No, I said a couple. I said a couple. I, I don't want to. I didn't want to get crazy. <laughs> you know. I mean, how many fucking? How many? I mean, do I have to? Do I have to scour? I have to scroll down and see. <laughs> and that's the fucking funny thing. How do you choose which bear dick to send? I mean, yeah. what are what are what are my criteria you're, for you're sending like it to you? Analyzing the bear good. dick. Yeah, when you're looking at the pictures, I'm like, well, that one looks pretty nothing to write home about, or well, like that one. I mean, am I? How am I judging like starting, which picture to send you're, you? You're becoming embarrassed for the bear, and you don't want to share. I'm embarrassed for me to what's <laughs> my Paul personal bear out in the snow. <laughs> what's my personal decision for deciding whether or not a bear, a dick pic, should be sent to you? Like, <laughs> what's the, my criteria? I'm all of a sudden I'm the judge. Like, like this is an yeah. acceptable dare bet. You know, whatever. <laughs> so, have you gotten any relaxed time when you're there? Are you eating anything good? Are you having any type of fun? We've been eating really bad, just like really bad takeaways a lot because um, they're generally late nights. Mm. Um, we're sort of taking turns to be in hospital, basically, family and that kind of thing. And um, and the kids are over here with us now. So I came over originally on my own, um, had a call. I need to get back quickly. So literally threw a bag together, jumped in the car, 18-hour ride to oh. get here. And um, my wife then joined me about a week later uh, with the kids. Um, so we're sort of going from family member to family member's house at the moment, you know, and staying there for a few days. Um, because it's a lot, you know, with three kids right. arriving in somebody's house, it, it, it's a lot. So we're, we're trying to give everybody breaks as well. Um, so yeah, everything's just up in the air for us. It, and it's, and I've had this, this music project going on as well. So I've been having to, you know, back and forth there and there's been lots going on with that. So it's, yeah, it's just, everything's just been unsettled, you know? And so I haven't really had a chance to, to cook or eat well, and everybody's just feeling a bit shitty and yeah. under each other's toes, and it's just like, oh, yeah. I have a yeah, food but we question are. for you. Go for it, yeah. Have you ever heard of a spoice bag? Can <laughs> <laughs> you say that again? A spoice bag? Have you ever had a spoice bag? <laughs> I've never heard it's of a, a spice, spice bag. bag, but every time I hear it, it's from an Irish guy. He goes, "Oh, I love me spice bag." He's having a spice bag. <laughs> spice. Have you had a spice bag before? Uh, Do you know what a spice bag a is? Yeah, the French use them a lot to um, so you don't get herbs and and so on in your food, but you get the the essence of the herbs. You know, so yeah, that's not an Irish spice. That's not an Irish spice bag. 
an Irish boy, an, an Irish spice bag, Irish spice bag, is they'll put French fries and like uh, chicken tenders and chicken nuggets and tons of fucking spice, and they'll put it in a bag. I think it's like, uh, and then they'll throw some like fried rice on top and some curry sauce and stuff. It's like a, and they put it in a bag, and it's at the end of the night. And then it really is like this big fucking just a garbage scow in a bag. Oh, they call it a spoice bag. And apparently it's a big thing in Ireland. The old spoice bag. Sounds terrible. No. Oh, no. you don't like a French fry and a chicken chicken tendy? Not not so much, no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> no. No. But, but before I came here, we were trying, I mean, we, were, we did a video shoot while we were here as well. And so uh, for the band, we're all dads at a certain age yeah. with bellies and all the rest of them which is you know the only thing we could say to the director is just try and make us look cool please right. just try and he's like <laughs> right. i got this i got this so like with a week to go we all decided we're gonna go with mad diet as if we're gonna lose like four stone in a week you know <laughs> <laughs> you got it um yeah so it, it, it's it's quite funny so we're looking forward to this video coming back to us now because i think we're gonna look cool in it you know it, it did look what we saw of it as he was shooting looked really cool but it was eight hours of listening to the same song over and over and over again and, and lip syncing yeah. lip syncing yeah for eight hours it was it was a lot it was wow. a what were you what were you what were you wearing I, in my mind i'm picturing you wearing like an adidas tracksuit. <laughs> he's wearing a bear costume with his dick out <laughs> yeah we're like a, well Go ahead. There is a story to the Adidas what? track suit. I was wearing a, a, a top, a Adidas track top. Um, basically, we were told to all wear black, but, you know, not just plain black. You know, black was the theme, you know. Um, so I had a bunch of things to take with me. And um, we got to the, uh, we had like a, it was like a proper, you know, recording studio for the for the video shoot, you know. Um, and it was one of those mad ones, you know, where the, you know, where the walls, they sort of roll up. So there's no corners, so it's like oh, yeah, endless, yeah, yeah. this wall. And when it's lit, it's really distracting because you, you've got your arms out in front of you. You don't know where the wall is. It's really strange. But anyway, anyway, we, we were told to wear black. I took a few things, and um, they didn't have any an iron there. And I thought they would have to iron clothes. And we just come straight from the recording studio, so we had to start a bag of stuff with us. So we all needed oh, to iron. Uh, we couldn't. So we ended up just having to wear what we were wearing that day anyway. But that's which, better. Thankfully, was, thankfully was black for most of us. Um, but my wife seems to think that I'm now the sporty spice of the band. Nice. I'm wearing a bloody Adidas track top. Nice. But, um, yeah. You're like the but, um, Russian gangster of the group. Yeah. 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 Slightly too tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Getting ready to go out for a spice bag. Uh, but no, it was re- it was real good fun. So actually, we we're putting that video live on Monday. Actually, so that's oh, for nice. the first song on on the EP. What's uh, the name of the song? We're doing things differently. It's called Jigger Jig Out. Oh, yeah. And um, so we're, weirdly, we're going to put the video out first before okay. it goes anywhere else. Because the whole point is we, we're selling this EP and it's got four songs on. And we thought, well, it's a big ask to get, ask people to buy it. So let's put the video out so they've got sort of a taste of what it's going to be. Um, so, the, yeah, the lead track is called Jigger Jig Out. And we'll, we'll be sharing that before we release it. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite cool. Very Isn't that cool. what they used cool. to do on MTV? They would release, like, like on TRL or whatever it was? Back in the day, they used to, yeah. And they'd be, they would be like, you know, and this this is coming, you know, in three weeks' time or whatever. Right. That's how they used Build to do it. Build up excitement. <sighs> yeah. But um, 
the kids these days uh they don't they wait they wait till launch day and they turn you know, the tease bits out and so on but we're like just like no let's get the video done um get it out there and then i think two three weeks later the actual release of the ep so yeah so it's all good i loved it i loved mtv when my parents got no, divorced, know, me too. Yeah. When my parents got divorced and there was a, everyone was trying to be real nice to me, I got to be able to watch MTV. My father wouldn't let me listen to popular music until later in life, but I got mm. to watch MTV. And I would, I remember turning the MTV on and like walking out of the room, and it always, I always had MTV on in the house. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first day we had, so we had MTV Europe, which was which was later than you guys. I think we were about five years later with MTV. And um, I remember we had it late as a family as well because we, we had to have you know, satellite TV to right. MTV. And, and I remember the day the satellite was being fitted, I was <coughs> ill, you know, from school as you know, faking completely. Yeah. And I remember just lying on the, on the sofa and having a duvet over me. And I'm sure they played it about a million times that day. It was uh, Meat Loves, so I'd Do Anything for Love because they had this massive <laughs> video, massive video for it, didn't they? And I just remember watching right. that over and over again thinking this is the coolest thing ever but uh yeah man that was that was some time ago loaf. <laughs> R. I. Loaf, yeah, no. <laughs> r.i.p to the loaf exactly the meat yeah go ahead i was just gonna sorry i was gonna say change the subject you got something else to add to that no i was gonna just no no, I got none there. You just made meatloaf joke somewhere <laughs> no i was just gonna you know just talk. no i don't have anything go ahead i was just i was just mapping what 18 hours of driving looks like and for you it would be like driving from all albany to orlando and for me it's like driving from seattle to la yeah it's Fuck. it's 20 hours to, it's it's easily yeah from 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 where i am to to florida it's like two it's like 20 hours yeah well yeah, yeah i don't know how you i don't know how you do that drive all the time i mean it is like is is ridiculous a lot of drive. Yeah. so you have to overnight somewhere right you don't do it straight, no, do you? No, no. If I'm, a, I do it straight. Yeah. If, it, oh, if I'm on fuck. my own, Madness. I, I really don't mind it. You get to the tunnel and the, you take a train through the tunnel, so you drive on it in the car. And um, oh. that's even though that's only sort of thirty-five minutes, um, you've got to be there like an hour before and all that to and fro. So you're not driving for the full eighteen hours. You know, you, I got you. And that's that's like a natural break for me. Then you know, yeah. you can just sit back and maybe have a little nap or whatever you need to do. So yeah. No. And yeah, if I'm on, on my own, I really don't mind. I put some music on, put some podcasts on, wow. get into the sort of zone. The worst is when you've got somebody else with you and they're like, oh, can we stop for a pee? Can we do it? And it's just like, oh. Man. Oh, you don't like to stop yeah. for people for pee, huh? <laughs> no, no. If I'm if I'm the pilot, I'm piloting. That's oh, my, uh, you are that's my thing. piss in the Jeez. bucket. <laughs> she, Shewees all around. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Shall we call it a day? I'm with you. Okay. Thank you all again for listening. And, um, yeah we shall see you next week um i may be home and hopefully the audio will be so much better so i really hope it is so yeah bye for now bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in maryland turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code old line 150 then 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.